Chapter 9 of Volume 2 of the Autobiography of Madame Kion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Being, as I have said, with the Ursulines at Tunon, after having spoken to the Bishop of Geneva, and seeing how he changed, just as others turned him, I wrote to him and to Father Laman, but all my efforts were useless. The more I endeavored to accommodate matters, the more the ecclesiastic tried to confound them, hence I ceased to meddle. One day I was told that the ecclesiastic had won over the good girl whom I dearly loved. So strong a desire I had for her perfection that it had cost me much. I should not have felt the death of a child so much as her loss. At the same time I was told how to hinder it, but that human way of acting was repugnant to my inward sense. These words arose in my heart, except the Lord build the house. And indeed, he provided herein himself, hindering her from yielding to this deceitful man, after a manner to be admired and very thwarting to the designs of him and his associates. As long as I was with her, she still seemed wavering and fearful but oh the infinite goodness of god to preserve without our aid what without his we should inevitably lose i was no sooner separated from her than she became immovable as for me there scarcely passed a day but they treated me with new insults the assaults came on me at unawares. The new Catholics, by the instigation of the Bishop of Geneva, the ecclesiastic and the sisters at Gex, stirred up all the persons of piety against me. I had but little uneasiness on my own account. If I could have had it at all, it would have been on account of Father Lacombe, whom they violently aspersed, though he was absent. They even made use of his absence to overset all the good he had done in the country by his missions and pious labors, which were inconceivably great. At first I was too ready to vindicate him, thinking it justice to do it. I did not do it at all for myself, and our Lord showed me that I must cease doing it for him in order to leave him to be more thoroughly annihilated because from thence he will draw a greater glory than ever he had done from his own reputation. Every day they invented some new slander. No kind of stratagem or malicious device in their power did they omit. They came to surprise and ensnare me in my words. 
but God guarded me so well that therein they only discover their own malevolence. I had no consolation from the creatures. She who had the care of my daughter behaved roughly to me. Such are the persons who regulate themselves only by their gifts and emotions. When they do not see things succeed, and as they regard them only by their success, and are not willing to have the affront of their pretensions being thought uncertain and liable to mistake, they seek without for supports. As for me, who pretended to nothing, I thought all succeeded well, inasmuch as all tended to self-annihilation. On another side, the maid I had brought, and who stayed with me, grew tired out. Wanting to go back again, he stunned me with her complaints, thwarting and chiding me from morning till night, abrading me with what I had left, and coming to a place where I was good for nothing. I was obliged to bear all her ill-humor and the glamour of her tongue. My own brother, Father Lamont, wrote to me that I was rebelled to my bishop, staying in his diocese only to give him pain. Indeed, I saw there was nothing for me to do here, so long as the bishop should be against me. I did what I could to gain his good will, but this was impossible on any other terms than the engagement he demanded, and that I knew to be my duty not to do. This, joined to the poor education of my daughter, affected my heart. When any glimmering of hope appeared, it soon vanished, and I gained strength from a sort of despair. During this time, Father Lacombe was at Rome, where he was received with so much honor, and his doctrine was so highly esteemed that the sacred congregation was pleased to take his sentiments on some points of doctrine which were found to be so just and so clear that it followed them. Meanwhile the sister would take no care of my daughter. When I took care of her, she was displeased. I was not able, by any means, to prevail on her to promise me that she will try to prevent her contracting bad habits. However, I hoped that Father Lacombe, at his return, would bring everything into order and renew my consolation. Yet I left it all to God. About July 16, 82, my sister, who was an Ursuline, got permission to come. She brought a maid with her, which was very seasonable. My sister assisted in the education of my daughter, 
but she had frequent jarring with her tutoress. I labored, but in vain, for peace. By some instances which I met with in this place, I saw clearly that it is not great gifts which sanctify, unless they be accompanied with a profound humility. That death to everything is infinitely more beneficial. For there was one who thought herself at the summit of perfection, but has discovered since, by the trials which have befallen her, that she was yet very far from it. O my God, how true it is that we may have of thy gifts, yet be very imperfect and full of ourselves. How very straight is the gate which leads to life in God. How little one must be to pass through it, it being nothing else but death to self. But when we have passed through it, what enlargement do we find? David said, He brought me forth into a large place. Psalm 18 verse 19 and it was through humiliation and abasement that he was brought thither. Father Lacombe, on his arrival, came to see me. The first thing he said was about his own weakness, and that I must return. He added that all seemed dark. There was no likelihood that God would make use of me in this country. The Bishop of Geneva wrote to Father Lamanth to get me to return. He wrote to me accordingly to do it. The first land which I passed with the Ursulines, I had a very great pain in my eyes. For that same imposthume which I formerly had between the eye and the nose returned upon me three times. The bad air and the noisome room which I was in contributed here too. My head was frightfully swelled, but great was my inward joy. It was strange to see so many good creatures who did not know me, love and pity me. All the rest enraged against me, and most of them on reports entirely false, neither knowing me, nor why they so hated me. To swell the stream of affliction yet more, my daughter fell sick and was likely to die. There was but little hope of her recovery when her mistress also fell ill. My soul, leaving all to God, continued to rest in a quiet and peaceable habitation. O principal and sole object of my love, were there never any other reward of what little services we do, or of the marks of homage we render thee, that this fixed state above the vicissitudes in the world, it is not enough? 
the senses indeed are sometimes ready to start aside and to run off by truants but every trouble flies before the soul which is entirely subjected to god but speaking of a fixed state i do not mean one which can never decline or fall that being only heaven i call it fixed and permanent compare with the states which have preceded which were full of vicissitudes and variations i do not exclude a state of suffering in the senses or arising from superficial impurity which remains to be done away and which one may compare to refined but tarnished gold it has no more need to be purified in the fire having undergone that operation but needs only to be burnished so it seemed to be with me at that time End of chapter 9, volume 2